Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it may be where you're listening to and when you're listening to this in podcast land. This is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America, which is the home of the AMA Superbike Series. I do this podcast weekly with my partner in crime, Sean Bice. I'm located in Southern California. Sean is in good old Ohio, the home of the AMA and other things. Um, Sean, how are you today? I'm doing well. I got I to gotta say real quickly, uh, I can hear somebody mowing the lawn across the road. So if you hear it on this podcast, um, that's what's going on. And I welcome that sound because it's been so rainy this spring that uh, I'm happy to hear any lawnmowers out there. So anyway, I apologize for that. Okay. I got to ask you, do, you, do you mow your own lawn or do you have somebody do it? Honestly, I got to tell you, this is like my great shame. Your wife does it. Well, no, no, I'd never. In fact, I used to, when we first got married, I used to like start it and then she would like get on the tractor after I figured the lines out and then I'd go and do the push mower, but neither of us do it anymore. I I have somebody do it. I I did it growing up and I'm like, you know, we have like, it's not huge, but we have an acre and maybe a half. And I, it's just too much for me now. And plus, I hate to repeat shit. Oh, sorry. I re- hate to repeat stuff. I don't like to have to do something over and over again that's the same thing. Um, oh, man. You know, even, I, love, I love cutting. I love do cutting. Do you do? Oh, yeah, I always me. have. I, I, the I, I, you know, obviously, I've always lived, you know, most of my, well, yeah, almost all my entire life's been in Southern California, so. We're not talking tractors here. I mean, you could probably mow most people's lawns with a pair of scissors. <laughs> I but I do. I mean, I'm that, I'm that guy that lines. I'm the guy that does the lines perfect. And then I'll do like a checkered board. You know, but again, I'm not dealing with acreage. I would be the same way. See, that's the problem. It can never be perfect enough for me. And it's, it's so big that, you know, I mean, it's not huge. But lawns in Ohio, as you can imagine, you can get a lot more land here for your money. And. We have we have more than I'm comfortable doing, and you know, once we get our season going, it seems like it's too hard. So yeah, I, I have somebody do it now, and it's a little bit of my secret shame on it because I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer. But I got to the point where I got to have somebody do it. Hey, you mentioned about Southern California. I'm sure you know we've had John Kaczynski on the podcast before. Have you ever heard the story that he used to after he would mow his lawn, he would go out with a pair of scissors and and like just kind of make sure everything was exactly the right height. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he I've heard scissors. that, and I've heard he, I've heard he vacuumed the lawn, and you know, it's with John. It's just one. He's just there's so many John Kaczynski stories. Honestly, it's like how many of them are true, and how many of them are embellished. You know? Um, oh, completely. Yeah. You know that's yeah. you know that you get a reputation for doing you do do something, and then next thing you know, everybody's got a story, and some of the people have probably never even spent any time with them. But yeah, I I, I mean I I wouldn't put anything past him, but. You know what? I, I bet he had a nice looking lawn. Nice looking lawn. He always had a nice, nice uh, RV. You probably remember that he used to have people take their shoes off before they went in his RV at GPs. Was that, you probably knew about that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's obviously <laughs> um, very clean, I guess you could say. My kind of guy. I've been known to vacuum my driveway once in a while, so it's not a bad thing. Really? Well, <laughs> but, uh, well, it's kind of. Um, you know, it, it's been a while since um, since you and I have, have done the podcast just with our by ourselves without a guest. I guess we could say it's kind of 
in honor of obviously everybody's probably seen by now that uh, our first race that's coming up May 29th through the 31st at Road America is going to be held with uh, with no fans uh, due to the ongoing issues with uh, COVID-19. So in honor of that, we're going to do a show without a guest. How's that? I love it. We don't get to talk to just the two of us. You know, and it's funny, I, I we, we've done this long enough to know it's always a little tricky when you have three people or four is even worse. But, you know, when it's one on one, when one's done, you kind of know when the other one's done. It's difficult to do three people, especially when you're not next to each other and you can't see their mannerisms or when to speak. So and, you know, I, I never miss a chance to say something. So I'm always like interrupting you on the podcast. So it's kind of yeah, nice I this way. Give you, I can't give you that visual like cut. You know, simple, yeah. Like, shut up, shut up, Sean. Shut the hell up. Four hours. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know about you, but I'm freaking stoked to be going to Road America. Um, oh, the, for the first round, it, it, wow! I, I can't even. I can't even. It seems like so long ago since we were at, at Barber. Um, even for the test, much less the 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 race that you know ended our season last year. It, it just I'm. And then, you know, you throw on, on top of it the fact that, you know, there's nobody else racing either. So, there, you, you know, my Sundays when I can get up and watch MotoGP or World Superbike and go to Moto America events and rewatch them on TV. I mean, I just, I really miss those, those days. So, I'm, I'm stoked for us and I'm obviously stoked for all of our fans. It's a bit, it's bittersweet. Um, in the fact that we do get to get started, but that we don't get to include our fans. But also, I mean, it, it, it's going to work out okay because, you know, we're, we're, our TV package is just insane for that. We can talk about that in a minute, but it's just crazy off the charts good. Uh, but the thing that excites me too is that we're able to go back to Roto America uh, June 26, 28th through the 28th and actually have fans at that event. So it's in a way, it's, I, I don't feel like it's so much taking away from those fans as it's kind of giving them that bonus of the, getting them back started with live TV and then, and then following up with, with an event there that they're allowed to come to, which that event I think is just going to be crazy good. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I like the perspective, some of the comments we've gotten on our, on our uh, announcement. Uh, some people have said, you know, it's kind of great that they're going to be able to go at the end of June because sometimes the end of May is pretty early for Wisconsin, the northern part of the U.S., and it's, it can be spring-like and warm there. It can be cold. It can be rainy, but every, people say that June, end of June is pretty ideal up there, and, and uh, you know, I, they, some people have said if they continue to have it every year and at the end of June, I'm not going to complain about that, so that was, that was a nice perspective to hear, uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens when we're there at the end of this month, but just to go back there twice is really terrific. Whenever we go there, we always say it'd be fun to be able to have more than one, one round here. I, I can't remember. I know they did more than one round at Mid-Ohio in the past. They would have one early, and then they had the one in October, which we know was kind of ill-fated because of weather-related things. But have we? I don't know in the history of AMA racing if we've ever gone to Road America twice in one year, have we? I don't believe so, no. And yeah, and certainly not I... consecutive. Yeah, I, and I was definitely not consecutive. I don't think we've ever done that with with any uh, anything with any track, right? But right. It was, it's funny because it got me to thinking. Like I'm like, wow, it's going to be really odd without fans. Um, 
you know, just because you're just you're just not used to, you know, we go to tests and they always feel a little weird to me because nobody's nobody's there. So it's going to be more similar to a test than it will be to an actual race. But it made me think at the time, and I'm sure you're, you're such a history buff, you would know this, but I remember it was actually, I had to look it up, but it was May 1st, 1995. And it, Freddie Spencer was on a Fast by Ferrati Ducati and we were at Laguna Seca. Yes. I believe, I believe the, Sunday, the, the Sunday race was not rained out, but I, it was fogged out. Like, That's right. The, the visibility was so poor, they actually couldn't have the race. So what we did was we went back to Laguna Seca on the Monday, and we had that race. Like I said a, a few minutes ago, uh, Freddie won that race, and it was his last ever national win, to the best of my knowledge, or the last win of, his last win of any kind. But anyway, that Monday race at Laguna Seca was like eerie. Uh, it was raining and there was literally no fans there. I mean, it's a Monday. People have gone back to work. The weather wasn't very good anyway. There was just a, there was really scattered handfuls of people at that, at that event. So it's like, oh, we've done this before. We've raced without fans because that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. You know, Here's another one, Paul. You might remember this too. I, the, for sure, the Laguna Seca one, I remember. The other, I, I want to say it was maybe, it might even been 2000, 1999 or 2000, but there was a year where the Loudoun Classic, which was always on Father's Day weekend, it rained so, it would rain quite a bit there, and it rained so hard they couldn't do the race on Sunday. So they did the same thing. They had it on Monday. And I remember Eric Bostrom won that race, but it was the same kind of thing. There was like everybody had gone back to work and there was TV coverage, and uh, I remember that, of course, it was taped, but when you saw it, it was weird not to see, you know, fans there and everything. So that'll be interesting, you know, our TV, which I know you're going to talk about in a second here, but, the, you know, our TV, of course, it'll be, they'll be showing areas where there, aren't, there just aren't going to be any fans, but that's okay with Road America because it's such a huge expanse of land that when you, you can have that place packed and there's still places where there aren't fans there, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like yeah, when we get there. It's, it's such a, uh, it's such a picturesque place anyway. It's like, yep. I mean, who, who doesn't mind looking at nice grassy fields and hills and it's got elevation change and it's just a nice looking facility to begin with. I mean, speak of, speak back to our subject that we started with of cutting the grass. It's like <laughs> whoever does, whoever does that grass there is definitely knows what they're doing because I've never seen a great, a, a blade of grass out of place. But I think it'll be, um, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be really cool for people at home to, uh, to watch. Uh, obviously, Road America is, is known, especially since, since Moto America started. But even before that, it just always seems to have really close races. And uh, I expect the same this year. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the announcement, too. And for people that don't know and hadn't really thought of it, uh, you know, huge credit goes to some people in Moto America as well as people at, at the track. Um, but, you know, our our, uh, our partners, the Crave Group, and certainly Chuck Axelin, our uh, chief operating officer, and Nicole, our, supervi our operations supervisor, uh, they they put a lot into making this first round happen. I know they, they talked to the track a lot about it, and there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that happened. And one of the things that I found interesting is when we were finally able to make the announcement and you sent out the press release uh i'm sure you saw it like i did last night there was this news story that the state state supreme court of wisconsin 
uh, overturned whatever it was in regarding the lockdown. And they showed this shot of people at a bar in Wisconsin, which is no surprise, but everybody's like shoulder to shoulder at a bar, you know, tipping back drinks. And, and they were obviously celebrating the whole thing when it was over. And I kept looking at it and I was like, is that Siebkins? And I, I didn't see any riders streaking n- naked behind anybody in the camera shot, but it was just kind of funny. We did all this work and I, I don't think it, that affects anything about our first round anyway, because it's going to be what it is, but it's just kind of interesting. It's like, well, hey, if they're going to have racing at Road America, I guess we might as well open the entire state up then. It just felt like that, you know, that yeah, we set a it's, precedent. It's crazy. And, and going back to, uh, you mentioned Chuck, it's like, you know, he's, he, I, I know he's just been pulling his hair out with this for, for the entire, you know, off season, or at least since, since COVID-19, you know, reared up. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the schedule, the schedule's changing. It's just, you know, I mean, that's, that's been, that's his focus at this point because it has to be, but everything just changes so often. And it's, you know, it's not like we're, it's not even like we're one country anymore when it comes to, you know, stuff like this that turns into political issues. It's state by state. So everybody's different. So he's, he's working with a bunch of different states who are dealing with different state, different, he's working with tracks and dealing with different states and, and, and also what people don't realize is like, we're not the only racing organization in the country that uses these racetracks. So, right. you know, IndyCar and all these other people are vying to try to get uh, new dates as well. So it's, it's been a busy time for him. And obviously he's uh, so far so good. I mean, we've got a couple of races, uh, you know, we've got our schedule in place and, and hopefully it, it, it goes through as, as planned because uh, we'll get our 10 rounds in, which yeah. I didn't know if was going to be possible. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. You were talking about, you know, the time between the last round of each season and the first round. And then, you, as you mentioned, the test that we had at Barber seems like forever ago. It'll be interesting this year when we come around to finishing up our season. Our off season is going to be fairly a lot quicker next year. You know, if everything goes to plan and we're able to start back on our regular calendar the way we normally do, it's, it's going to seem like, whoa, didn't we just finish racing? So it's going to be interesting from that perspective. Yeah, hopefully we're not at Barber saying, hey, I'll see you next week at Coda, you know. Right. <laughs> right, or we're at Coda, I guess, would be the last one this year. We'd be like, oh, hey, we'll see you at, uh, we'll see you back here in a couple of months. You know, it's just, it's, it, yeah, it, it is what it is. And it's like, it's, there's, there's so many serious things going on in the world. It, uh, you know, what we're doing is just this small little piece. But, you know, to us, it's everything. And we really want to get back to going to going racing. And, you know, I think it's a good thing for our fans and, and for people in general want, you know, I think for the most part, people want to get things back to the to the way that they are. And obviously, in some places, it's too soon to do so. Um, but we're going to we're going to do the best we can to uh, to continue what we do. And that's provide really good entertainment to uh, to people who want to watch motorcycle racing. Yeah, you know, you, you had mentioned Chuck, and one of the things that we've talked about with regard to Moto America is for the, the Moto America era, the people in charge of it are very good about being responsive, not only to fans, but the teams, and there's a lot of dialogue back and forth, and we know from talking to Chuck that he seemingly talks to almost every team, if not daily, you know, at least weekly, and he probably talks to a few team principles every day. And I think he, the fact is a lot of the questions have been, you know, when are we starting this, that, and the other things. So once we get down to going, I'm sure 
you know, he's going to get a lot less calls from the teams as well, which I'm sure he'll welcome. He, he, he always is willing to talk to anybody on the you know, riders and teams, but uh, a lot of the questions will be answered soon. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting, Paul. I, I kind of wondered about a couple of things. One of the things I want to emphasize, and, and we always talk about this, is regardless of the amount of time between when we previously raced, these guys are such professionals. And I know Josh Hayes used to say this about we're one of the only sports where we don't we don't practice exactly what we do for a living on a daily, weekly, or even a monthly basis. And I always laugh. You and I are big football fans. And I always hear with, with regard to the, our, the teams that if I follow them during the week, if a, if a player was hurt, uh, he has to practice that week or he can't play in the game. And it always cracks me up because it's like, what do you think he forgot how to play or something? And I never really understand that. I understand the physical physicality of it. But when these guys get on their bikes uh, at the end of May, it's going to be quality racing right from the start. There's no uh, getting up to speed, so to speak, right? I mean, every every season, these guys are pure professionals. Yeah, I think the only thing is when they when they first get on the bike and they haven't ridden, no matter what they've done at home, there's nothing like the, the speed with which your brain has to process information when you when you're going as fast as those guys go on on their motorcycles so but i'm sure that's probably you know two or three laps and and that and their brains click in and and you know they're used to that speed again and they're used to you know doing everything at that speed but yeah they don't they don't miss a beat um you know it's it's muscle memory it's knowing what they're doing it's the teams have their crap together they'll show up there ready and and it'll be business as usual and you'll think the race was, you know, held two months ago, the way that they'll, uh, they'll perform you. There won't be any hiccups in, in, in their performance whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I had gotten a call from Lance Oliver this morning who was with Revzilla and as at some of our East coast rounds. And he had a, he actually had a good question. He was asking me if we thought because of the amount of time that's gone by, how that might affect some of the teams in terms of, you know, whether it's they haven't had income coming in or situations with sponsors. And, and I said, I mean, that is a little bit of an unknown, but one thing I when it, some, a couple of the teams I've talked to, uh, they've said that they, because of the extra time, they haven't really been sitting and twiddling their thumbs, so to speak. They've actually had time to do some things that they've never thought of doing before or had a chance to do to prepare for the season. So in some ways, some of these teams are probably going to be prepared more than ever and it's possible maybe some riders that at the beginning of the, if the season would have started when it did, they might not have had their program figured out in terms of what they were doing. Maybe they've gotten rides since then or been able to figure out how to get involved. Uh, if it's Twins Cup or some of the some of the classes where they're more individual riders instead of big teams. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we it doesn't seem like that our entries are going to be any any different than what we anticipated. But I, I think sometimes that extra time probably was put to good use by some of the teams, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it, motorcycle racing, it's like anything else. It's, you know, I remember back in the days with my dad when he was running the Yamaha team, it's like Daytona's coming up and everybody knows Daytona's in March, but damn, you, I mean, they're scrambling to the last second to get everything <laughs> in order for Daytona. It just, that's just the way it was. Also with the first round, you know, usually being in, you know, March and April, I mean, it does give them, less time obviously to get a lot of the times they're waiting for stuff from other people 
you know, that kind of right. there's a hang up there, whether it's new motorcycles or parts or fairings or paint jobs or all that stuff. So when it comes down to this, I think everyone's going to have a, a big advantage just because, you know, everybody was shooting for April and, and that turned into uh, to the end of May. So they, they, they'll definitely be prepared. I can imagine some of those bikes. I mean, there, there's probably some some uh, crew guys out there that have been polishing those things to the point where the paint's probably not even on them anymore. But uh, <laughs> they, they'll, uh, yeah, I, I bet. Well, the, and the extra time's obviously going to help some guy, some of our guys that got a little dinged up, you know, from Matthew right. Skultz to to some of these other guys that have had some little off-season injuries that might have been tough to come back for. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think Matthew would have been totally ready to go uh you know with our original round starting at, at road america after breaking his collarbone but he would have made it there but obviously now he's going to show up in perfect health because he's had more time yeah it's funny i remember him saying that oh yeah i would have been ready no no matter what but it's like i think you're going to be probably more ready now than you would have been then so i yeah as long as he didn't go and hurt himself again and i haven't heard that that did happen so i think we're i think we're okay to go there um hey i want to ask you so let's talk about the tv this is a pretty exciting part of it too and um tell us tell us some stuff about that uh what we got going for road america first round well it's it's going to be it, the tv package is going to be awesome uh, you know, ordinarily we have live Fox Sports 2, which has been wonderful. I mean, everybody loves the coverage. And we have Moto America Live Plus that covers all of our events live, all of our races live. For, 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 for Road America, it's going to be a little bit different in the fact that Saturday's Superbike race will air live on Fox Sports 2. The really cool thing, and this is no slight to Fox Sports 2 by any means, but on Sunday, we'll get to race for the first time live on Fox Sports 1. Uh, we're going to be the lead-in event for a NASCAR race, I think, there at Martinsville. So I think that the, the opportunity there to get our series in front of a lot more eyes is going to be prevalent. Uh, I also think that, I mean, people are so starved for... I mean, I watch, I, I turn on ESPN periodically just hoping that there's something new on there. And, you know, I'm watching the 1984 World Series or I'm watching an NBA <laughs> game from 1995 or something. And obviously it's okay for a while, but you're ready for new live sporting events. So I think this is going to be a big boom for us. Uh, you know, and again, it's bittersweet because the fans aren't there. But you know what? At least the fans that are at home and able to watch this thing will have, you know, coverage that, that's, that we've never had before. And again, yeah. uh, you know, all the races will be on Mono America Live Plus in addition to the two Superbike races live on, on the Fox Sports Network. The other thing we're going to have is uh, we've got a new deal with Mav TV, and they're going to air our Supersport races this year. And for the Road America round, they're going to do both of those live. So, I, I mean, I, I, I can't think of anything more we could possibly do with, with this season opener than, than have all these races live like we have on the, on the various networks. Yeah, and it's cool for normally our for Superbike, our races are at usually three o'clock local time uh, for the Sunday race at this uh, at the first round at Road America. As you said, it's going to be on Fox Sports one at one o'clock and local time again, Wisconsin time. And then the cool thing is what you mentioned about Mav TV and with regard to Supersports. So that's going to be at, at 12 o'clock local time live on mav tv so you've got on that sunday you've got you can watch a super sport a moto america super sport race live 
and then a Moto America Superbike race live, and then you go right into watching NASCAR if you're into the four-wheel turn and left stuff. So um, it's a pretty good lead-in. I, I, it should, obviously, being on Fox Sports 1, I know this for a fact. I don't have Fox Sports 2 at home here, but I do have Fox Sports 1. It's a lot more households, a lot more people that can see it. So, And, and certainly people that may be tuning in early that don't maybe know as much about our series or know our series, but like NASCAR, they're going to be able to go, oh, let me watch some of this. So. Um, it's a great lead in for us. It's, it's a huge coup for us to start. So, you know, there are a few disadvantages to this round one, chiefly the situation with the, the fans not being able to be there. But I love the fact that we've made up for it in a lot of ways to bring the fans to this broadcast to them, and this coverage that they can watch in safety and comfort at home. So really great stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be an interesting weekend. I think it's going to be an interesting weekend for the people working the event, and that's you know everybody from from us and, and the, the rest of the Moto America staff to the teams and the racers themselves. Uh, it's going to be a, it, it's going to be different, and everybody's obviously going to have to uh, to work hard to to keep safe and to to make sure everybody else is keeping safe. But you know, it's I, I think it's I think it's going to be an interesting it, it'll be an interesting weekend for us, and obviously the the Fox Sports one. As you know, anybody that we can get to watch Moto America, uh, I've I've never had any of them that didn't think it was awesome and, and turn into being fans. So I think it just gives us an opportunity to get the race in front of more eyes, and and those hopefully those people will become fans for the rest of the season and the rest of the time we're doing this. So yeah, it I think it'll yeah. be cool. I want to talk a little bit about round two as well, which is almost exactly a month after this first round. And of course it is with fans as we've talked about, but the thing that's going to be great is we're going to have our five classes that we normally have super bike, super sport, junior cup, stock 1000 and twins cup. But in addition, we're going to have a couple of more uh, series that are going to start there. Um, can you talk about that a little, Paul? Well, yeah, we're going to have the, that'll, that'll be the first round of our uh, mini cup by Motul which I'm really excited about. It, as you know, they, we had them out at Pittsburgh last year and they put on a, a great show. Uh, every, you know, the, there's something about watching kids do something cool like that. And, and it's always surprising to me at what a high level they can do it at. Like you, you, yeah. you don't think a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old would be capable of riding a motorcycle the way that they do, but uh, they certainly do. So it's going to be, that'll be our, the series opener for that will be at Road America. It's exciting. I think that's going to be fun to watch. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity for these kids to, to be able to race like that on the big stage. You know, it's like, it, it'd be like, it'd be like if you've got your, you know, your 12 year old little league baseball playing son and, and he gets to strut his stuff in front of, you know, major league teams and scouts and things like that, um, that would proved to be pretty pretty valuable i would imagine it's it's a different experience for the kids and, and obviously it, it opens up more opportunities for them to uh to show what they've got because you know this is the first step in what we like to call the the road to moto america and in the past that's that's begun that started with uh with the liquid molly junior cup class and then the riders as we can see have progressed through the different classes whichever way they choose to go but it started the earliest the youngest they could be would be 14. This actually is a true path, the road to Moto America, because this is going to get young kids ready so that when they turn 14, they can jump into that junior cup class with some experience. You know, it's funny when you watch uh, 
little league, you know, my son went through and I, I don't, I'm sure yours did too, or, or the fact that they see major league baseball players on TV and they kind of mimic some of their mannerisms, whether it's, you know, chewing, chewing bubble gum instead of, or spitting out pump, uh, pumpkin seeds or, you know, stuff like that. They seem to mimic a lot of that. tapping their shoes a certain way in the batter's box. In mini cup, these guys are actually, they look for all the world like full-size motorcycle racers on smaller bikes and without the scale to compare it to, they, they look like they're doing everything they should be doing, dragging their elbows, dragging their knees. And it's not just they're, they're kind of mimicking. It's like they kind of have to have those skills, those road racing skills and develop them even at that age to go fast. And it's, it's a great way to, to get, get started. I, I, when we had a KTM RC cup, which evolved into Liquid Molly junior cup. I mean, I thought that was so cool that we were able to get kids started at that age, but yeah, to your point, when, when kids are doing little league, they don't, they're not on a stage for major league baseball. And we're really kind of providing that for these, these young riders to start out with and, um, it's just great that they can kind of stay in our paddock that way. And we've been doing quite a bit to promote these young riders and boy, there are some fast young riders that are out there. They, I think the next generation that's coming up, we're in pretty good hands for, uh, some talent. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of the video too, Paul, and probably would agree with me on that. Yeah, totally. And I think that's where places like Spain have kind of gained an advantage on us, you know, in the past, I don't know, 20 years or so is that I think they've put a lot more emphasis in, in, uh, in allowing kids or having an opportunity for kids that young to get started where we never really have. You know, here, here before, before Junior Cup, to, at a national event anyway, you, you had to be 16. So we got that change to 14 by making it, a, you know, it's an amateur class, so to speak. But now, I mean, now we have an opportunity to, to get kids racing and to, to think racing, road racing is cool. And, you know, there's, there's so many kids that race mini bikes and motocross and, and they have an eye towards supercross. And they've always had places to race. We've never really had that. So I, I think it's going to make a big difference in, 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 in grooming young guys that can move up and, and sail through the Moto America classes and, and eventually end up racing Moto America Superbike or or if they choose to racing internationally. So I think it's a big, it's a big piece of our puzzle that that's been missing. You know, Paul, you just, you just reminded me of something that I actually don't know the answer to. I'm not just throwing you a loaded question here that I, I, oh, I really I don't bet you will. No, this one, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. You mentioned about professional road racers. What makes a professional road racer? When is somebody considered to be a professional Moto, Moto America professional road racer because when we do bios on on riders and we say the year they turn pro and I'm like well I know they raced before that so what what constitutes being a professional can you tell us well honestly I think in the past it's just been judged on the fact that they you know I I remember back I I want to say it was Pikes Peak in Colorado but it was a huge deal because Nikki Hayden turned 16 and I think and that was his first race I, I think he went I think he raced super sport well I know he didn't race super bike but he was definitely one of the super sport classes or yeah it would have been super sport but I mean it was a big deal and it was like Nikki Hayden turned pro that day because he he was allowed to race in an AMA professional race because he was 16 so that's that's kind of how it's always been for me so that's actually when their professional careers started was most of them when they're itching to get to the point where they were 16 so they could race something other than a club race. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Yeah, that does make sense. I, I think it's probably because now we didn't have such an infrastructure in, in the U.S. of these steps going up through that it suddenly made me realize, you know, uh, those guys raced in Weir or whatever. And we know Weir is a, an amateur a racing organization and a lot of club club racing is that way as well. And you think, well, when they're in the AMA, they're, they're, they become professional. But we think about Mini Cup or Liquimali, it's Moto America racing, but that, you know, according to the age or whatever, they're, they're not quite considered, quote, professional yet. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that, and that then, actually helps and there's, me that. There's, there's some guys like, you know, I mentioned Nikki Hayden, but there's like Rick, Roger Lee. Roger Lee, for example, would have started when he was 16 racing professionally. And when he retired, he'd raced for the same amount of years as Josh Hayes, but Josh Hayes started much later. Josh Hayes didn't start racing professionally at 16. So when they That's retired, right. basically, at, you know, close to the same time, um, you know, their age was different because Roger had actually started racing earlier than Josh. But that's basically how it worked or how it has worked. It, you know, this, this made me think of something else here, too, is Kenny Roberts once told me that every rider has about 10 years to the kind of race, which is interesting. I've thought about it a lot and looked at people's careers and tried to figure out that out. And I think he means maybe at the pinnacle of their career or whatever. But you think about riders that we have with mini cup or, or even on their own that race before that it's certainly a lot longer than 10 years in terms of them uh working on their race craft and and you know even with josh hayes uh, who started later his career was was a lot longer than that so i i mean i understand what kenny's saying maybe about being at the pinnacle but it kind of depends on on what your path is and how early you started i i think more than anything um yeah do you ever I hear him say that yeah, I have heard that, but I, you know, it was a while ago, and I, I think right. when he when he said it, I mean, it wasn't even, you know, at the very earliest, people started when they were sixteen, and probably not the majority of them even did that. But I right. think he's, you know, he's right. I mean, there's this, there's probably ten years where where you're at the top of your game, or you're you're approaching the top of your game, and then a couple of years where it's maybe falled off, falling off a little bit. But if you're good enough nobody notices because you're still better than anybody. Uh, right. So it, it's, it, you know, you, you worry sometimes about kids getting burned out, um, you know, because they start so young and maybe, you know, but, you know, the good ones are the good ones. And, and, and I think to be good enough that you can excel at something, you have to enjoy it and work hard at it and like it enough that I don't think burnout would necessarily be. I think anyone that burns out from something probably – wasn't meant to do it anyway, if that makes sense. Right. I don't know. No, I, I think, think you know, so too. I mean, it's obviously different people and they react differently to things, but yeah, I think, if, you know, if you can get 10 good years out of it, you're, you're doing really well. So there's a lot of guys that have gotten a lot more years out of it than that and, and been very successful the entire time. So it's just, it, it varies. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in another couple of weeks, super bikes, uh, super sport, Junior Cup, Twins Cup, and Stock 1000 all on that big, long, amazing track where they can really stretch their legs. And everybody enjoys going there to see it, but certainly to race it. And uh, it's it's really, you can get the full potential out of your motorcycle no matter what you're on up there. So uh, it's going to be going to be great to be there and see it. And and uh, I can't think of a better, better place to start the season. And it's just the beginning of it. We're still, as you said, we're still going to be 
10 rounds uh, and, you know, 20 superbike races, two races. We've had a couple people on Facebook that have actually asked us about that. And I know our program is still the same at round one. It'll, it's, we're going to have some additional stuff along the way, like King of the Baggers Invitational at Laguna Seca and the Heritage Cup is going to be a few rounds in mini cup, but it, it's still, it's still our five rounds and it, or our five classes over the course of 10 rounds and uh, for most of them racing two races each uh, each round. So um, I'm glad that we were able to do this, that we had some time and some left in the the season to be able to move things and still have a full season. That's not the case with certainly MotoGP and World Superbike. I know is struggling with the same kind of issue. So it's good that we have it set up that way. I don't know if that's what we originally intended, but boy, we had a nice contingency, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think. I think we've got a good uh, we've got a good schedule on tap, and you know, obviously, the main reason that we you know it, it worked out nice to have that second Road America round because we could move we could move some of those things to that second round because there's I mean there, there's not a lot of point in having all these fan activities and extra races and all that stuff at an event where the fans can't be. So it was nice that we right. had that option to just move everything like Mini Cup to that second weekend at Road America, but. Yeah, I mean, there's starting the season at Road America. I mean, it's it, it's 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 perfect. I think. I mean, it's it's the best we could possibly hope for, and to have two races there in a row at such a beautiful place with you know passionate fans back in that area. I, I I'm looking forward to it, and it's it's I'm pumped. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a really cool couple of races to get us started, and then we'll flow right through this season, and everything's gonna be wonderful. And I know that's pretty optimistic on my part but i think once we get that first one started then i think we can we can get back on our feet and get this thing rolling yeah hey one of the things i i want to do i know we're getting close to the end here but i i wanted to talk about we've been having a really enjoyable time talking to some of our uh our i guess i'd say legendary racers we we had Ben Bostrom and Miguel Duhamel and Doug Chandler on. And um, I wanted to, I wanted to just sort of introduce this next week. We're going to have the other Bostrom brother on. We're going to have Eric Bostrom. We talked to him this week and we're going to have him on this week, but he had something he was committed to and he's really looking forward to being on. And it'll be interesting to talk to him and talk, talk about, we've been on our throwback Thursday. Uh, we have been showing a lot of things from the Bostrom brothers era and Eric's always been really cool about liking it or commenting on it so i know he's excited to come on and and talk to us so i wanted to just throw that out there and say uh we're gonna have a good time next week when we when we talk to him too which is kind of cool because we're we're leading right into road america with uh we've had this time to be able to reach back and talk to some of our uh famous well famous riders and legendary riders of the past so it's been enjoyable yeah it's fun it's you know you and i have been around long enough that we we have good relationships with some of these older guys in addition to the guys that we have now. So it's kind of nice to, uh, to be able to talk to them about, you know, memories that we have. And, and usually they're combined with memories that, that they have. So having Eric on there will be fun. And it's funny, earlier I mentioned Freddie Spencer at Laguna Seca. And he's, he's somebody I'll try to get in touch with because I think he'd, oh, be, yeah. obviously he'd be a really popular guest. I think he's based now in, uh, in London. So uh, That's right. So as far as I know, they still have phones over there. But uh, we'll, be, we'll be able to get in touch with Freddie and see what he wants to do about coming on the show. But I'm sure he'd be all for it. And 
we can bring up that day in uh, in Monterey with, without basically without fans. So that's right. Uh, yeah, it's been fun chatting with you, Sean. Um, again, uh, to all our fans, we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. I know you're excited for us to go racing, as we are. Uh, unfortunately, that first weekend. Um, the, you know, obviously fans won't be allowed to be there, but like I mentioned earlier, our TV package for that weekend is incredible. So everybody's going to be able to, uh, to, to have the next best thing to be in there. And, and I know you, you, you like to give us a little Moto America oh, yeah. Live Plus plug and uh, <laughs> go for that because that to me is, I, 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 don't get me wrong, I love the live TV and I love all that stuff, but the, the live streaming to me, it's how I watch my MotoGP now. It's how I watch my World Superbike, and it's just like I'm accustomed to that now. So Yeah, it's yeah, just it, the greatest thing. It's a pretty thing. cool package. Yeah, it's fantastic. And with that in mind, you know, please subscribe uh, to Moto America Live Plus. It's it's our popular subscription streaming service. And and don't forget to get your race weekend tickets for rounds two through ten. Uh, any and all of them. Uh, we we hope to see you there. And uh, you can go to MotoAmerica.com/buy for complete details on signing up for Live Plus as well as getting getting your race weekend tickets for the season. So. Um, yeah, great to great to talk to you again, Paul. You know, it's funny we talk to each other all the time every day via Slack, uh, which is a program we use to communicate, and and it's good for me because nobody has to actually see my face to deal with me. But um, it's always good when we do these podcasts for you and I to hook up and talk to each other. It brings us a little closer, so um, I enjoy it very much. Yeah, and it's also good that those uh, Slack messages aren't published anywhere because I think we'd all be. <laughs> It, 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 it does is, work it well for us. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It's like, uh, it's like I went to work today and I got free therapy. So, but thanks, <laughs> thanks again for, for joining me on this podcast as always. And uh, we'll, we'll keep talking here and then we'll actually get to see each other in a couple of weeks. That's right. All right. See you.